that time again. Welcome into the Season 7 wrap-up, our biannual award show slash general wrap-up of the season that was. Uh, this time we're talking about, obviously, Season 7, the best season so far. I think we can all agree. Yep. Pretty solid. Pretty solid? All right. If not ever, by some by some people's accounts, but we'll get to that in the listener responses. Might, might very well be. Who knows? Yeah, but I'm here. Lauren's here. Say hi, Lauren. Hi. Say hi, Daniel. Hey. And as always, our lovely, lovely master of ceremonies for the seventh biannual Tony Awards, Jake. What's up, guys? How's it going? I'm back. You're back. Much like the much-hated uh, sequels in the Harry Potter franchise, I'm back. No one knows why. Warner Brother pays me to be here. I wish. Ex- excuse you. Fantastic Beasts franchise. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> and we're going to start with a well, actually, here. Fantastic Beasts. Welcome back to the Pedantic Pod with the Pedantry <laughs> Off on group. a good start. What's the description? Like, is it Pedantry? You can, y'all can correct yeah. me later when you uh, come on the, uh, behind it's the paywall being section Lauren. to correct yeah. me. It's, be, it's being with Lauren. That's I am not going to sit here and be corrected by people who are not subscribed at patreon.com slash setting the tone pod can give these folks money and can berate me uh, behind podcast. the paywall. Yeah, I'm going to well actually, I'm going to well actually, you. it's uh, excuse me, patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast. Look, I never said I was could here be to say, be correct. Could be, I am here to have a good time. That's why you're the master of ceremonies. You're not actually saying anything. Else Jesus, <laughs> anyway. Lizzie. So, Daniel, why don't you kick us off with some season stats? Hey, all right. Uh, starting out, as we always do for only like the last two others, because I keep trying to front load this thing. Uh, average number of viewers for the season, 27.02 million, uh, which I believe is like right around the set. But like, oh, I, much like last season. There's definitely a downward trend. Like we're start if like if you can squint, you can tell that like things are changing and like this is no longer like the uh, I mean it's still obviously by today's standards a huge like powerhouse. Uh, but we are no longer the like guaranteed 30 plus mil a week juggernaut mm-hmm. that we once were. Uh 27 million represents kind of a overall downward. I think the lowest uh, rated episode of the season was like 21 million. Uh, so like they're, they're heading in the, the, the downward, downward trajectory, uh, propped up overall by episodes like the visit, uh, the crossing, uh, and rampage, uh, all of which, uh, eclipse 30 million. Um, so yeah, we're, we're heading, heading down, but, uh, still, like I said, by today's standards, an insane amount of people tuning in week after I week, say, like any, uh, the biggest that remotely like modern that comes near 21 million people watching. Like that's like the biggest show oh, on yeah. TV. I mean, like even at numbers. even at the like even at the shows like Nadir, like in the late seasons, I would say they were still pulling in a good seven, eight million an episode. So like, and that's when everything is like in the shitter and and like we're it's heading to the end. So like, it's it, it never really com- compared to modern standards, it never really falls completely off the table. I want to point out that like our average monthly downloads. <laughs> In comparison, just to show how little of this audience we have grabbed in 2022, oh, wow. we are at 0.05% of that. Wow. No, lower than that, 0.005. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. So 0.05 would be the percentage because you've got to move the decimal. Oh, I thought I didn't know if you did. Twi- <laughs> no, I didn't do percentage. 27 million. I, this is point, so it's 0.05%. I did not jump on the Zoom call to do math today. On a Saturday, right? this, the Lord's This feels day? like an attack. Yeah, and Jake, Lauren, you've been playing Pokemon. You're playing math the game. <laughs> Lauren, a lot of those people are dead. Let's consider that. Like, 27 million people in 2001. Didn't want to say it. Like a lot of those, a lot of those people are no longer with us. But you know what's not dead? The Twinkles. That's good, right. Good segue. The uh, reports of their demise were greatly exaggerated because uh, a perfectly on-brand number of Twinkles for season seven. Seven. Uh, so we had seven uh, examples of twinkles and 15 uh, bangs this season, which is by far our best ratio mm-hmm. to date. Like, I think uh, last season we had like three or four, mm-hmm. and this season we're up to seven. And then before last season, we were like, it would never happen. Like, it, it was like once like, every three. these actually exist? Yeah, it was once like every three seasons they'd bust it out. So 
we're we're positively like booming with twinkles this season uh moving into our count for previously on er remember uh we didn't have the previously on er segment at all last season they did they did away with it completely for no apparent reason in season six just didn't have it uh in season seven what i found interestingly through about um i want to say like the first half of the season like through i think season uh or or through episode 15 they went actually in a pretty consistent pattern Mm -hmm. so like the and and it's almost in the order i have here um and then right around episode 15 they kind of lose the thread on the pattern and they just start you know randomly picking somebody to do it uh, week after week um, but leading the way with three each uh, we have to the surprise of no one Mark uh, mm-hmm. and to the surprise of everyone Romano uh, who I don't really think ever got to do them before this season or if he did right. it was only maybe like once uh, so it was pretty pretty cool to see him being uh, leading the pack here I think he even had two in a row at one point uh, towards the end of the season they were really Really picking up what he was putting down. And then tied for uh, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven-way tie for second uh, place. Uh, we have Benton, Carter, Carrie, Lizzie, Luca, Cleo, and Chen, all with two apiece. Uh, and then bringing up the rear, surprisingly, is Abby uh, with only one. Uh, and then, of course, our mystery man uh, from episode, like, 12, I meant to look that one up uh it's i think episode 12 uh where uh it is definitely not luca shout out to everybody who is in my dms constantly uh being like this is luca i'm like no it's not uh and um eric paladino himself says that it's not him so it's not malucci i've let this go uh, and like i don't i don't mean to to break the the meme of it all but it was actually me who recorded that oh that would be fun Little baby Jake. We, yeah, we're creating our Previously own. Uh, we're creating our own memes. Romano was a dickbag. <laughs> Let's be honest. If if Jake was gonna do a previously on ER, he would absolutely one hundred percent do it as Bernie Sanders. He has <laughs> for too long. <laughs> is his... Romano ruled over this ER as chief dickbag in charge. We need Carrie Weaver who can enact, you know, anti-Romano legislation today. There we go. Had to get it in. Contractually obligated Bernie Sanders impression. So, yeah, that's the uh, the main stats for the season. We actually got some nom- We actually got some awards this time. What? Only took seven only- years. Yeah, it only took seven years, but we finally got an aw- a major award. Uh, at the 2001 Primetime Emmys, uh, the show was nominated for Outstanding Drama Series, Outstanding Supporting Actress for Maura Tierney, Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series for James Cromwell, and outstanding guest actress in a drama series for Sally Field, who was the only winner. I mean, she deserved it. She definitely fucking deserved it. But you can make—I think you can make an argument for James Cromwell as well. Oh, absolutely. I think there could have easily been. You could. I was very happy revisiting the Bishop storyline this season. He was one of the more pleasant surprises for me. Like I remember, like it was good, but I don't remember just how good it was. Yeah, I think you could have easily made the argument that James Cromwell deserved to to win that award uh as well and uh just to uh put a pin in it and s- tell you who beat him out for it uh it was uh michael emerson as william hinks on the practice once again the show that i'm not convinced exists yeah. uh continues to beat us out because it's a david as though it's a david kelly i think is the dude i think so yeah same guy who did boston public and ally mcbeal but yeah um but yeah, you can't find those shows anywhere on streaming or DVD anymore, or it's they're just into the ether. Um, what yeah. one best drama series? I'm gonna guess either West Wing or The Practice. I'm pretty sure it was The Sopranos. Nope, it really? was The West Wing. It was The West Wing. Just kidding. Okay. Yeah, it was The West Wing, which beat out ER, Law and Order, The Practice, and The Sopranos. Uh, but of course, you know, as you might imagine, like this is 2001. The Sopranos is all over everything. Uh, Edie Falco won lead actress that year for Sopranos, uh, and James Gandolfini won lead actor that year for Sopranos. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff too, like West Wing is in there. Um, and of course in the comedy category, it's like everybody loves Raymond and shit like that. West Wing, um, just like all 
friend friends not as much uh you actually see more fraser than friends oh okay um like gene smart one uh outstanding guest actress in a comedy series uh for her guest run on fraser um so yeah it's uh and some of the other people that sally field did beat out were uh kathy baker for boston public dana delaney for family law uh which is not a show that i knew existed um boston uh, public justice for represent. boston public Justice for the two Boston public fans. Uh, and uh, Annabella Sciorra for The Sopranos. Uh, I don't think you... Have you gotten to Gloria yet on The Sopranos? Gloria? I don't remember. What season is that? Uh, I don't honestly know. She's she's one of Tony's girlfriends at one point. So It's yeah. one that Jake uh, hasn't watched. Yeah. From, from Google, it's telling me season three. There we go. Okay, so I might be. I'm in the beginning of season three. So you're probably you're gonna meet her very soon. Uh, she's very very tragic character, but uh, and then uh, Jean Smart uh, for the District, which is again a show that I'm not convinced exists. So anyway, now when you okay, so now moving on to the Golden Globes. When you say shut out, does that mean no nominations at no all? No nominations of any kind. What? That, no, that's just mean spirited. I can understand it not winning. But not even nominating the best show on television ever. Zero, always zero uh, nominations of any kind. Uh, Of course, Golden Globes is the one that does like the film and TV stuff kind of combined. But in television, um, no, hold on, let me double check here. Two thousand and one. It looks like ER was nominated. This this would have. Yeah, it was nominated. I must have missed this one. So they were nominated for Best Television Series. They did not win. They lost to The West Wing. Um, but for every other category, they were, uh, it appears, shut out. Um, best Performance uh, was West Wing again. Sopranos is in there. Something called Gideon's Crossing that I have no idea what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just they're, they're not the new kid on the block anymore. Like, they're not the, you know, they're not the new flavor of the week anymore. There's other and we're and we're starting to enter into the like prestige era of television kind of thing where like er as much as i love it er is kind of gonna start to look more and more like a dinosaur as things uh move on but we got one more season of ramping up quality and then they kind of then we kind of then we taper off we can all disagree (laughs) you know what get fucked my dude um but why don't you tell us, Lauren, what characters we actually said goodbye to? Hey, uh, Kanisha. Thank God. Woo! Woo! On episode episode 11. I don't know why I had trouble reading that for a second. Uh, Gampa Carter on episode 13. This was his last on-screen appearance. We yeah. will have a farewell to him beginning Later. of season 8. Yeah. Um, Bishop Stewart is gone as of 15. William White as of 19. Carla is said farewell to on 21. Again, at least on screen appearance. This is her her last farewell. Uh, Kim Legaspi, 22. And Roger number one, 22. We uh, hardly how do we knew feel you. About, how do we feel about these farewells? I mean, you obviously got my reaction on the first one. Yes. <laughs> do we... Do we really count William White in here? Yeah. I mean, he's... Uh, so, when I make these, I tend to to try to make them... So, also, this season was a bit of a reach because, like, in terms of, uh, like, just overall kind of character movement in and out, like, this is ar- arguably the cleanest season of the show ever. Like, mm-hmm. there's very little character movement this season. Like, pretty much who's there at the beginning is still there at the end, uh, with a f- very few exceptions. So, like we kind of had to reach a little bit more than usual than we did to like include people in this. So like, but when I do these, I tend to try to pick people who are um, ever at any point, like part of hospital staff or part of the core central story, not just obviously just like regular patients. Like I feel like Bishop Stewart is a little bit of a, a reach with mm-hmm. that, but like, but like William White, he was technically Benton student student for a little bit. So like, you know, eh. I mean, he's, he's unquestionably one of the most forgettable, insignificant characters in the entire 15th season run of the show. Don't get me wrong. Like you could delete him from existence entirely and nothing would be different. Uh, But, you know, like I said, this season is just very clean. Like there's just not really much of anybody who 
comes or goes you know yeah, we don't really introduce a new character and then Mm-mm. we don't really lose anyone we're gonna season eight's a graveyard but yeah season eight is going to like exhaust destroy us. me is Mark's we are going to like be number one does she go this season she went at the end of season six yeah yeah so we didn't we so didn't have any we, that's right yeah. she was like gonna Rachel, show up Rachel for whatsoever. the wedding and then got stuck in st louis or something yeah she gets a mention in season seven but we never actually see her on camera which uh yeah we so we talked about that at yeah. the end of season six because uh, she's in she's in her chrysalis getting ready to uh <laughs> change her uh her face doesn't survive uh season seven but her stupid hat from the end of season six mm-hmm. that survives uh, what a way to get like fired because they like they, not only do they like not only do they recast you but then they go back and reshoot a scene to completely remove you from they it. They pull like, a goddamn Anakin Skywalker at the end of Return of the Jedi. <sighs> Is it really she got fired? I don't know if it, I mean oh, it, okay. it was probably just a like we want to tell stories with this character where she's a little older and the actress we originally cast isn't old enough yet so we just got somebody a little older. That makes sense. But like but like this, this is also like we're we're right in the thick of the era of them recasting characters and making no effort whatsoever to try to match them up physically. Mm-hmm. Like Rachel two looks nothing like Rachel one. Roger two looks nothing like Roger one at all. They're like, both black men. Stop late it. later on, late, this is much later on down the road. But like Steve two, very different from Steve one. Like Alex two, very different from Alex one. Like there's <laughs> oh god, oh, yes. yeah, that's that's yep. the other like I think that's the most egregious one out of all. Yeah, of them. Alex. Yeah. But also there's... for Rachel one to Rachel two, I can kind of understand. Like if you want to do like a whole like teenage angst doing drugs whatever sto- uh, storyline with Rachel in season eight, I can totally I I could not buy Rachel one. Yeah, that kind of a storyline. The thing that bothers me, and this is a really weird nitpick, go figure. Um, they didn't even get somebody with the same general like hair. They don't hair, even try yeah. to straighten her hair or nope. anything to make up yeah. for it. Rachel just suddenly has curly. Hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rachel too does in fact have a mane. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a pretty egregious example. But you're right though. I couldn't imagine the the actress who was Rachel no. one doing and but I probably also couldn't imagine Rachel two doing some of the Rachel one stuff from much earlier on. You know, so it's no. like granted that character is not very interesting when she's a small child. She's just you know cannon fodder for Lauren. Honestly, you know those commercials from the '90s of like this is your brain. And then they smack and yeah. like, this is your brain on drugs. That take the it eggs, with like yeah. with, Rachel with, on with, drugs. Uh, Rachel one and be like, this is Rachel. This is Rachel after a shitty childhood with whatever her parents' names are. And then that's the new one. Don't give me merch ideas. Like, don't don't do <laughs> no, it. I no, will. That's a, that's a meme idea, not a merch idea. Why not? I love. Both? Is there a difference nope. on the setting I, I, the tone <laughs> podcast uh, merch store, which you can find at Bonfire. setting the tone? Oh my God. I don't know. But no. uh, go no. buy all the merch. It's all very good. If you if you look on our link tree or if you Google setting the tone bonfire store, it'll yeah. come up. I do love the uh, head headcanon slash fan theory that uh, the change in appearance of Rachel is a side effect of Mark's brain tumor. Like he just Jesus like Christ. He, he just that like we're, it's just like we're seeing pick it some random girl. Yeah, he just picks some. Wow. He just doesn't recognize his daughter anymore. It's just some person off the street. And the Lauren dick punches keep on coming. Let's go. Uh, And then turns out his daughter was Tanisha the whole time. Oh, Oh, Jesus. So speaking of characters that we are going to continue saying goodbye to, let's talk about characters who got bobbed. We have Nat the janitor on episode one. Uh, Frank Bacon, Chen's baby's father. Still an all-star name. On episode six. That guy is really hot. He is. He's smoking. Morris Chestnut. Uh, Shout out to Boys in the Hood. Yep. Uh, Chase on episode 12, which is a shame because they still could have done so much more with him and Carter. Yeah, I went back and forth. Shout out to Bam Margera, who plays him. Nope. (laughs) I Um, I went back and forth on Chase on whether or not he constituted a Bob because, like, it's not like they give you any sort of, like, indication that we might ever see him again, but it also just feels like he's a more significant part of Carter's life than he ends up being. Right. Because like he kind of goes to check on him once and then we're never going to see or hear about Chase yeah. ever again. And it's like, he's such a big part of Carter admitting to himself, everything that happened right. with yeah. that scene with like them having shakes and French fries. And then all of a sudden it's just like Carter never, 
Carter on screen at least doesn't go back and it's like that could have been such a huge part of his continued recovery mm-hmm. if he and Chase could have at least you know continued to commiserate well because yeah. Carter's totally fine now Carter's remember. totally he's totally over fine. it he's over yeah, it he's yeah he's done uh, and then last but not least Rena on episode 19 I would argue this one a little bit because I would argue that she was only brought in to serve as a distraction for Carter oh sure and then they break up so I think it's perfectly feasible. No, sure, sure. I mean, and again, like I said, it's this this season is pretty pretty clean overall. So you gotta like take them where you can get them. And like, I don't think that. I mean, yes, they break up, but like she's still on staff at the hospital, and like she's still like part of the hospital ecosystem. And so like, and it's not like you ever actually like they break up over the phone. So like they break up, you know, off. They have that big. They have that big argument. Sure. In person in that same episode. Sure. But- but in a season like this where there's not a ton of character movement, uh, using my very loose definition of what constitutes a Bob, I felt like she was, like, you know, on the cusp one way or another. Because, like, she's yeah, she's another one, too, that, like, we're never going to refer to even in verbally again. Like, she was just, like, in one ear, out the other as a character. Like, she's just off the map entirely. Yeah. Well, speaking of people we hate... Uh, Lauren, why don't you tell us about your shitty kids list? So the problem is, is I wrote these names down and I don't remember who any of them are Because <laughs> I'm trash. Give me, give, me some, you know- give me some names and I'll see if I can remember. All right, hold on. Jason. I'd like to think it's just like a list of shitty kids and not even just ER, but of like any TV show or movie that she's watched since we've watched yep, them. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. People she saw on the train. Like, <laughs> she just... <clears throat> Yeah, I have okay. I have no idea on this first one, guys. Uh, Jason from Seven Five. Okay, we're gonna we're we're gonna do a quick Control F on the notes doc here, and we're Thank gonna you, figure cause... out who Jason was and what his. I'm I assume it was Jason Voorhees, like that. You were just really yeah. not a fan of Jason Voorhees yep. and the whole killing people thing. That seems like something that Lauren would take issue. I mean, with. in general, I'm not a fan of murder. Yeah, like, I remember my last two on here, but the first two, I have no idea. Also, there were only four shitty kids on this whole list. I was going to say, what is the total number? So, four, four so out of 22. It's technically, it's technically six because the last one is three kids. It's just the shithead trio from 717. Which are undoubtedly shitty kids. The edgelords who were huffing uh, fumes. All right, so 7-5 was uh, Flight of Fancy. Uh, yeah, and so that was the the teased helicopter explosion episode. Yeah, uh, that never actually explodes. Uh, yep. And Jason was a little boy who uh, Cleo and Benton were working with while also like snipping at each other over him. Yes, the the blood draw and all that. Yeah, Cleo says. Cleo is uh, mad because Benton. Th- remember when Benton was flirting with going to Philadelphia? Uh, and yeah, that was a and thing that had, happened. And they threw him in as like chief of the ER for the day because right. People like had to, because Mark had to leave. Yeah. yeah. So they're trying to do a blood draw on him, and he smacks uh, Benton, and so that was enough for Lauren to condemn this child. Okay. Nope. Now I'm remembering completely. This child. He was an absolute brat. Yep. One hundred percent. Okay. Uh, the next we have is Jeff on seven nine. Just for having the name Jeff, like I yeah, feel just like for the name Jeff. I feel like hey, that's one of your best friends. I know. Named I'm, Jeff, be- I'm being facetious. Uh, let's see. Uh, Daniel, why did I hate Jeff? So this one was a boy who was attacked by a dog. Uh, oh, he shot the BB gun at the dog. Fuck that that's kid. Right. Yeah. yeah, that kid's dead. <laughs> that's right. Jake yep, co-signs right. this one. At first, I was like, "Oh shit, he got attacked by a dog." But then we find out he shot it just because he wanted to try out his BB gun. Yeah. So nope. Fuck that kid. Jeff's a piece of shit. Fuck Jeff. Uh, <laughs> so this one, he's not really a kid, but Paul from Seven Ten because he's the guy who plays Dean, and I just fucking hate Dean from Gilmore Girls, so I just hated him because of that. I That's fair. He's one hundred percent. He's under eighteen, so he's still he's still a child. Yeah, that and he he uh just like and this is through no fault of the actor at all, but um they just write him as such a not not precocious teenager, but like. The the ribbing between he him and his dad, it's just a little too on the nose cute that it's mm. like, it, I don't know. But so Paul gets it not because of anything wrong with the character, just because God I hate Dean on Gilmore Girls, <laughs> and it's just I can't not do it. You da- know what? Still Jake, counts. Jake I understands. Do. It's I do, your and list. I support it's like, it hundred percent. It's your list, Lauren. You do it with it. And you want. last but certainly not least, like I said, is the shithead trio Edge Lords from Seven Seventeen oh, bullying them. Yeah. the one kid and huffing huffing shit on the um bus on the bus so they were just 
But that that yeah. uh, uh, that episode is the one that gave us the screen cap of the kid doing the nebulizer treatment, uh, which is just one yes. of my favorite screen grabs of the entire season. So yeah. like, so and you could argue that one of these kids kind of gets what coming to him for being such bit. an asshole. But so listeners, uh, tell me if you want me to continue this shitty kids list into season eight because this can be a new feature on the free feed. <laughs> I can continue with my hatred of children if it if it brings you joy. <laughs> we'll have her and and on the Patreon side, we'll have her retroactively go back and rewatch all of seasons one through six to catalog every child Daniel, that she's ever hated. I would do it. I would do a <laughs> shitty kids recap for one through six. It would just be one bonus episode of me alone in a room for an hour, going, "This kid fucking sucks." Shitty kids supercut. Who says no? <laughs> oh no, Daniel. Daniel would definitely be there to help you. I'd probably sit out. You need to do one bonus episode with me that isn't the lounge. I still need to get you on a Who's Fixer, those. She looks so upset by that idea. Okay. So I can, uh, so I can play one of the characters? So I can nope, play that's not how that one works. one of the slash fictions that you're going to read? I'm not going to read slash fiction. Stop it. Um, anyway, uh, do we want to talk about season seven and how we felt on it as a whole? Yeah, I think, we, I think that's why we're here. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, for the, for, for the free feed, folks. Yes. Sure. So. Yes. Um, so I want to start with saying, yes, we've talked about how it's been by far the most like stable season and the most consistent Mm -hmm. for being, for being solid and good, but dear God, I personally am so ready to be on to season eight because I can't take any more trauma dumping on our listeners. I had a moment of guilt the other day where I was like, am I dishonoring my father's memory by how much I fucking shit on my childhood with this? So I'm ready to be done. Well, for a I don't while. think you're. I don't think you're shitting on your childhood. I think you're. You're. You know, trying to contextualize your childhood. You're trying you're to e- examine it. In a different it. way. But that's what I have my therapist for. It shouldn't be for the pod. So I'm ready to go back to not being as emotionally invested in our show as I have been. I'm ready to go back to just, well, this was silly. Well, Lauren, what Don't are you know? podcasts if not parasocial relationship with relationships Yeah, that's with true. Strangers. I think so, so many of work both ways. I think a lot of our listeners know more about me than any of my coworkers <laughs> ever have. And no. Oh, me for, for sure. But most of my friends know the gist of this stuff already. But yeah, my thank you, dear. But yeah, just I'm I'm ready to go back from the sheer amount of oversharing I've been doing this season. You're... So excellent season, but but you're I'm, ready for I'm... everyone else to be in pain for a change. Yes, I'm ready for Lizzie to sob on Mike and for me to go. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh darn, uh... Mark's dead. Let's see what happens next. Like I, the amount that I comparatively this can be for later in the episode but point is i love season seven it's great um we have some excellent moments but i'm ready to be moved on lizzie go ahead yeah i think the thing that i love most about season seven is the fact that we don't really fuck around with new main characters or really we don't lose any characters we get to see everyone's arc from start to finish within the season Mm -hmm. and i love that we haven't had that yet in this entire show right like it's just been so great to see how changed mark was from the beginning of the season to the end of the season how much more we learned about abby from the beginning of the season and how much that changed her character and formed her character and how we view her to the end of the season because obviously having a bipolar parent as lauren would know is pretty fucked up leads to some inconsistent shit emotionally yeah i mean the only one the only two people i think you could argue that it really did maybe a disservice to would be cleo because we never really got to see her do anything we get, to, we get flashes <laughs> we get yeah. flashes of her of her greatness and there it is sorry <laughs> i didn't mean to make that noise i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay um now lost my oh malucci yeah yes like thank we, you we went from like he didn't quite hit the low lows that i thought we were going it's to coming up that i thought we were well going yeah because yeah. by every i know i know it comes up in the beginning of season eight obviously because he only has a few episodes left yeah but he was fine but he was like i mean he, he, he has bad, yeah he had, he had, a, he had bad f- jokes here and there, right but, he, like he was fine there were there were but, a few I, collar collar yankers like i yeah, wish he hadn't said that but, but that was more i attributed to okay 
he's a cocky resident who's still like getting lay of the land and thinks he's hot shit. And we talked about that on Daniel's like top 100 Malucci traits or whatever <laughs> when he when the character was first introduced. But I didn't. It wasn't as egregious as I remembered it being. Yeah. So like, yeah. I like we've talked about all season. I found myself actually like enjoying Malucci half the time, and I'm really sad I'm gonna miss the interview because I would love to hear Eric Palladino's reflection on the character so many years later because how divisive he was. Yeah. yeah. And I think like even his worst episode this season, like the one where Jesse dies, mm-hmm. is like he immediately is like oh, I'm not that shitty of a person. I'm so sorry. Like, I would not be making fun of... He he tries to make good yeah, on it. Yeah, he tries to make good mm-hmm. on it. And arguably, he gets his comeuppance by yeah. getting the shit kicked out of him. Also, or the at least whole, punched. I would have loved to have seen more with the whole wrestler kid and uh, yeah. the abuse storyline. Yeah, that's the, the biggest thing for me, which we've talked about a lot this season, has been how, like, not... It, like fresh, I found Malucci frustrating this season, but not in the way I was expecting to. Like I was expecting to be frustrated by the content of his character of like he's somehow shittier, which he he kind of is. But like I was frustrated more by what they didn't do with Malucci. I was frustrated. Yes. I was frustrated when they would dangle these little you know carrots in front of your face of like, oh, here's an interesting kind of like thread and an interesting little side side story we could go into with Malucci and then it's like they'll just yank it away from you at the last second and be like nope funny man fall down like we just go back to the same kind of like tired bullshit with him which like I thought worked pretty well in season six when you're trying to establish that a new character and you're trying to like you know again they're they they're trying to kind of fill the Clooney funny void with a new character who only does the funny thing and that's fine and then season seven, it's like, now we can maybe do some other things with him. And they just never seem to, like, go all in on it. They just would, like, think about doing it and then just, like, you know, whatever. But I like what, what Lizzie was saying about how, like, we didn't have to, on the season as a whole, we didn't have to, like, uh, waste any time establishing anything. We just kind of got to hit the ground running and go. And it's kind of like second movie in a trilogy syndrome of, like, Obviously, the second movie is going to be the best one because you don't have to spend any time doing origin stories and you don't have to spend any time setting anything up or doing any world building. It's just like all you know, this is this is arguably like, you know, the the Spider-Man two, like where you just get to like just jump in and he's already Spider-Man and he's already does all the cool stuff. And like we don't have to spend any time fucking around. And that's kind of what you get with this. And then obviously that'll make season eight, the Spider-Man 3 where everything's just depressing and sad. Uh, but no, season eight's great. Just kidding. So is, so then is Malucci's departure. Is that the, the spider, the Spider-Man doing the hip gyrations? Yes. In front of the store is that's him leaving. Yes. Dark, dark Toby Maguire is. Thank you. Uh, uh, Eric Palladino leaving the show by calling oh. Carrie Weaver a Nazi dyke. Uh, Jake, did you have any thoughts for I, uh, us? I know you did a speed watch of parts of season no, seven. No, I mean, I've, I've seen all of season seven. I just burned yeah, through he, he, seven, he, eight, he, and He nine, made the mistake of burning through three seasons at once. And I don't recommend doing that. God, like, we'll get to my thoughts season eight in like six months. But anyway, season seven is my favorite season of the show. Like, it's so good. Everything is so good. Like, what y'all have already said. Um, I, I think why I love it so much is that you know, we have quality, long-running storylines. My controversial take is I actually don't particularly care for the uh, Bishop storyline. Um, I've watched it twice now. Really? Look, you know, incredibly well-acted, well-written. I get it. Like, it, it's there. Mm-hmm. I just, I think I have a predisposition to not give a shit about anything involving religion and kind mm. of co-watch. That, like, That's fair. I, I just, I'm not invested in it. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm just, and, and by the time that story like ends it just gets really interesting and i'm into it because it ties it with luca's own ptsd and what happens with his family and then it just ends because he dies and it's just like right for me i spend all these episodes not really caring about it and then it finally gets good and then just ends um so you would rather instead of that being the climax of the storyline have that be like the mid or, or, or just like, like pepper more of it through like it, if we're gonna have this good moment later on with um luca tying what's happening with the bishop to his own life and what he went through like 
pepper that through the earlier part of the season, like episode one or two, where he like murders a man. Like my whole thing is that I there wanted during that scene, like if we're gonna justify that, like of he's having flashbacks of you know all this violence and all this stuff going on, like when the dude's like mugging him and he's beating him, like have the bombs go off in the background. It's like he's envisioning, like put him back there more through the season yeah. to make the moment with the bishop really matter, and then pepper that through because really. James Cromwell's just a dick who's like, are you Catholic? Are you Catholic? Why aren't you Catholic? Why don't you go to church? What church do you go to? And I'm just like, this is the pep- like pestery religious person shit that I hate. And so I think that kind of put me off of being really invested in that storyline. But again, super well acted, super well written. I was going to say, it's wrapped up in such a tasty, tasty James Cromwell center that it's like, it's almost palatable. Yeah, I like the ending of it. He's, I just I didn't need five episodes of <laughs> where he dies, all, you know, me being annoyed by it. But I knew that was like my take on it. I thing. know everybody loves that storyline, but like from my perspective, like I get it's just like I, I was just so annoyed by it for so long um, that I, I wish it was done a little bit differently, but but whatever. But overall, like mm. I loved this season. I love what happened with Carter. I know like I at least peruse some of the listener comments and I know that even before what, what we're going to be reading here in a second is like people were hating on that Carter kind of just is over his like addiction issues. Um, and it doesn't get mm-hmm. brought up a lot and it's not seen as much of a struggle. I, I kind of liked how they did it in the show. I don't, and maybe it's because I've watched eight or nine or how many seasons of house there were where I like that storyline of his addiction. I mean, it's the backbone of that show, but like, right. It's exhausting. And so I'm happy it was not, overburdensome here i still thought it popped up enough um and i liked how it was handled and there was the one big relapse moment and i thought it played really well with um abby setting her own boundaries about not wanting to be the the sponsor for him anymore love that i mean i I loved a whole lot here loved um sally fields of course she fucking crushed it um every time she was on screen but i mean I was still a little bit disappointed about the wedding episode. I like it. Something I think that happens may, maybe beginning with this season is it really ramps up the wackety schmackety. And I don't know if y'all agree <laughs> with that, but like episode one starts with like the football team riot. And like, I, I just want to skip the episode I at that, that point. I think that shit is so dumb that like, I, I feel like we, it, the show really, really ramps that up here and then continues to eight nine and i know we got super soldiers <laughs> and helicopters and crazy shit coming and i'm mad about that too but all i'm saying yeah. is i think it really begins here even though this is like what i've seen so far of the first nine season like this is my favorite season of the show i absolutely adore it um i love the carrie weaver storyline and how awkward and painful it is because not every story of a person coming out and coming to terms with their like sexual identity is going to be clean and nice. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit messy right. like hers is. And I kind of love that. And again, listening to, to her inter- interview and the work she actually put into that is just like incredible. Carrie Weaver's the fucking best. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that's my thoughts on season seven. I really loved it. Like nine out of 10, like fucking great, great season of the te- TV show. But to do Carrie Weaver's storyline like that in 2000 and 2001, that's a pretty big deal. And I I like seeing it from both perspectives. They not only gave, like you're not only seeing that storyline from Carrie's perspective, you also get Kim's perspective and like her feelings on it Mm -hmm. too. So when Carrie's like pushing back and I'm not ready for that, you see her like take of like, well, okay, well, this is what I want. Like both are allowed to be characters unlike a um like a Benton and a Cleo which is a a very big tragedy in the season because like I freaking loved Cleo every time she was on screen like I thought she was great she had great moments particularly the stuff with her and Reese like what that's like print money why wouldn't you just give me that every episode have her come into the room be like give me I fucking love baby (laughs) Reese he's great yeah if there's one big criticism I think for that I have with this season is that not enough Reese Oh yeah, like, very like, criminal, much, criminally small amount of Reese. With how much he informed season six and Benton, with season six version of Benton, he's basically not there for season seven. Yeah, Benton. I think he only makes like one or two appearances at the most, and at the very end. Yeah, 
to to go back to your point, Jake, about the um the wackety schmackety of it all, um, you are absolutely right that or actually you might be right that this is kind of the beginning of it because it definitely does feel like as we get into the much later days of the show, like I'm talking like seasons 11, 12, 13, 14 and beyond. Um, it sort of begins to feel like the end of every Star Trek movie where they're like, we have to destroy the enterprise before the end of this fucking movie. <laughs> like it's what a good analogy. <laughs> it, it sort of becomes like that where it's like, how can we fuck this place up as big as possible by the end of the season jerry with a grenade launcher that's season three like that is but it's clearly that was that scene was in the back of someone's mind when they were uh laying out the because it it, and again we can get into this like as we get to those times but like you can it's really fascinating to watch week after week by week to see them start to feel the pinch of uh, House and Grey's Anatomy, and not, and not even just the shows that are directly in competition with them as medical shows, but just the way that the TV landscape in general is changing. Reality TV is getting bigger, and you know, uh, streaming eventually becomes more of a thing at the very end. You know, so it's like there's there is all these outside factors that are influencing the creative direction of the show, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, and like. Yeah, there will definitely like there there will definitely come a time where you will look back on a football riot in the ER as the salad days. Like there will definitely be a time where you'll be like, "Wow, that was really grounded." Um, <laughs> but you know, it's still I still I still maintain that there's never a point where things go completely off the rails to the point that they're irredeemable. But there will definitely be some individual moments and some individual episodes where you'll be like, "What the hell were they thinking?" Yeah, I mean, hey, if you want to redesign the admin area right you know there's still yeah there, there's still a few uh major renovations to the er to come yep. uh things will look physically very different by the end of the show oh, yeah. com- oh very very compared different. to where they are now um so like I, like I would say we're in kind of like version either 2.0 or maybe 2.5 of 2.5 of, of the er itself uh, and and by the end of the show we'll be on maybe like version 4.0 like it's they they're if it's very very different compared to what we see now um season season nine is definitely the i think the biggest renovation yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah lots lots of stuff to look forward to that but uh, but i i still i think the overall kind of consensus is that this is the most like coherent season of the show from beginning to end of like you know last season we talked about how like that was maybe the the season where the show was the most different from the first episode to the last episode like stuff that was true in in episode one of season six was definitely no longer true by season six episode 22 season seven it was a much more coherent much more um but less uh tumultuous 22 episode ride like we went through a lot of shit in there especially lauren uh but um in terms of like big world building changes things were relatively stable from beginning to end like the characters that were there at the beginning are still there at the end for better or worse any other thoughts before we move on to listener responses do we want to give a score for season seven for each of us i think jake said nine Nine. out of ten yeah yeah i'd say that's fair yeah I flip between 8.5 and 9 just because I didn't realize just how many of like the later season episodes were just kind of the oh the, the like, you mean like, like the, the later in the season yeah later in the season episodes yeah like there was just a, there was a yeah few real clunkers it, in it there did sort me. of I mean it definitely like which a, a lot of seasons tend to do but it definitely did sort of tail I think another aspect of it too was that um this granted it had a really really hard act to follow with uh be still my heart and all in the family but the sweeps uh episode this season really didn't hit nearly as hard as sixes did like the cross the the crossing is is a fine episode as it is but as we talked about on that episode it leaves a lot to be desired and it leaves a lot of meat on the bone there's a much better story to tell in that episode and they just don't do it and so like you know that i think leaves it feeling a little bit flatter overall like i would argue that the peaks of season six like it's the same analogy i I always go back to with like the office and parks and rec like the office has like really really high peaks but also has some like stinker ass valleys but parks and rec goes to like a seven or an eight and pretty much stays there the whole time 
And that's kind of season six versus season seven to me. Like season six has some like 10 out of 10 unbeatable all time great episodes, but it also has some like fucking clunkers as well. Whereas season seven, we, we get to that eight, nine level and we pretty much stay there consistently for the whole season with one or two, maybe minor exceptions. I think that's maybe why I think it, think there's more of it because like those clunkers in season seven stand out so much more yeah. versus the overall quality of the rest of the season. Yeah. So, I think we, I, I think we took a lot more issue too with like individual plot threads as we were coming down the stretch. There were lots, of, there yeah. were lots of episodes where we were like, this episode is really great except for a, B, C and D. Like there were lots of little individual plot threads that just did not hit. It just stands out more when the rest of the season is so fucking good. Yeah. yeah. So, what does this have to say about it, though, Lauren? All right. At Basic Mall says, easily one of, if not my favorite season. We get a lot of great stuff from everyone. There's no episode I don't really like, and it has to be the best cold open of the show with a walk in the woods. We can all still agree to disagree on that. <laughs> it's nice getting to see Mark and Elizabeth being happy before the sadness of next season. Homecoming has to be one of the best season openers of all the show. I literally have no complaints. I just love this season. I'm really excited for what comes next. We're leaving one great season behind and heading into another great one. Jake will disagree, but that's okay. That's me adding that, not Mal. And at the full-time dad says, after watching season six and season seven through with you guys, I'm still fully on board with six as my favorite, but seven is definitely right up there. And it's further bewildering how some critics are so harsh on this stretch. Some call season six through nine the dull years, and others, I guess kind of rightfully so, talk about how the show stops being fun. I mean, the show definitely steers into the drama by season seven, and the element of a love triangle is something they resisted in the earlier seasons. But when you look at the totality of the season, Maggie, the bishop, Mark's diagnosis, and at this point, remission, Mark and Elizabeth's marriage and Ella's birth, Carrie's self-discovery and relationship with Legaspi, Carter's struggles with sobriety. How can you, with a straight face, say this is one of the worst seasons of the show? Staring specifically at you, The Atlantic, and he links the article. There's nothing dull or boring about it, and a fair, unbiased watch of it finds plenty of moments that make you laugh like the old times. But the fact that the show is able to be this good after losing three archetype characters is a testament to the writing and character development that has happened that happens on a weekly basis. Yeah, that article that uh, he links in there is one of the worst articles I've ever read in my <laughs> entire life. Like, it is truly bad. What's well, uh, the Atlantic? It so. it lists season four as the best season of ER. Fuck that. And we, I remember our coverage of season four. We said that season four was maybe one of the worst because it was like one of the um, like most uneven. Uh, like just lacks a coherent story, lacks a coherent direction. And I, if I remember correctly, I think they highlight Maria Bello as being the reason why season four is the best one. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? My dude, <laughs> were you awake? <laughs> like, were you in a coma this entire season? Like, so yeah, it's one of the worst articles I've ever seen uh, because like the show. So like to address the season six through nine being the dull years, I guess if like you're a, fucking baddie and like don't want to deal with anything sad ever like it's like bad things were gonna happen to these characters at some point like you can't just have eight seasons of the same characters and go every se every episode be in and they had a nice day like you can't like that that would be boring as shit like there would have to be some kind of conflict in there so like this was always going to happen they were either going to leave the show or their bad things were going to happen to them and you know season seven is like a uh, an excellent it's an excellent like entry point into a lot of that stuff like you know mark's thing is they're, they're doing a lot of setup and stuff with that some could argue like lauren did earlier in the season that we kind of wish they had just shattered out off the pot without uh, with mark's thing and just got it over with this season because they kind of stretched that out a little too much into next year um you know like there's just there's I, I disagree entirely, not not with Aaron, but just with the premise of the this era of the show being dull or not being fun. And, that, like, I think there was plenty of moments this season that we found ourselves going, like, this was a fun story. Like, this was, like they still did things, maybe not to the degree that they used to, but, like, the show's grown. The show's evolved. Like, I don't think you could keep doing the same exact formula of things that you were doing back in seasons one, two, and three and expect to 
keep the show fresh like this was how they had to like evolve like especially as he says like as as those familiar faces and those big names are starting to kind of cycle through you know you can't can't keep losing names like George Clooney and Juliana Margulies and expect to survive if you don't change up the formula a little bit mm-hmm. I will say that article's ranking of Gilmore Girls seasons is absolutely correct just if, if anybody else is wondering <laughs> Well, you know, we only talk about the important things like Gilmore Girls on this show. So, saying the, saying the tone, the Gilmore Girls retrospective. Um, there, anyways, there's absolutely a Patreon tier for which that, uh, for which Jake and Lauren will make that happen. Speaking of the <laughs> Patreon tier, let's talk about it before we go behind the paywall. Guys, you need to subscribe at patreon.com slash setting the tone pod. What are you doing with your life? For the $150 tier, Lauren and I are going to get together on Zoom every three days to talk about a new episode of Gilmore Girls because I don't watch anything else. I've not watched a single episode I would do it for ER. Jake. I've been watching Dean get fucking roasted by Jess this whole time because we team Jess up in this house. We don't acknowledge Logan as an entity because he's a rich fuckboy and we don't need rich fuckboy energy. Okay. Jake, you and I, if we don't do an episode by episode, we at least need to do a like two hour you and me sit down and talk about Gilmore Girls episode behind the paywall. Go on. I'm all about it. And you can read all about that when you subscribe at that $150 tier, baby. (laughs) And if you know what, you subscribe at $500, you get a Zoom invite. You get to watch us do it live. You get to watch me as I eat Doritos with my face. It's it's messy. It's gross. Just like season seven of Gilmore Girls. We're making it real here on Setting the Tone Podcast. Subscribe now. We're your best friends. Set appropriate boundaries with people you don't really know online. Stay healthy. <laughs> stay in school. Do lots of drugs. Bye, everybody. STT fans want even more from the Setting the Tone crew? Si, senorita. Then head on over to patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast and become a patron today. You set the tone. You'll get exclusive access to show notes, season recap episodes, bonus video content. No, no, there would have to be more. As well as audio commentaries from movies starring your favorite ER cast members. You think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. And best of all, you'll be first to gain access to Setting the Tone, The Lounge, the monthly bonus show where you get a peek behind the trauma room curtain and hear the latest and greatest happenings in the lives of the Setting the Tone hosts. That's it. That's all there is to it. So what's the problem? You still here? (laughs) For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support one of your favorite podcasts and get even more great content. It's enough to make even Benton crack a smile. When did it start raining?